أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما نافعا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ربي شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedi-Uzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Inshallah, in this episode, we will continue reading the 17th word. This is a treatise uh, that was inspired to Said Nursi uh, when contemplating the following verses. أَسْتَعِذُ بِاللَّهِ إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا لِنَبْلُوَهُمْ أَيُّهُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا وَإِنَّا لَجَاعِلُونَ مَا عَلَيْهَا صَعِيدًا جُرُزًا We have adorned the earth with attractive things so that we may test people to find out which of them do best. But we shall reduce all this to barren dust. This is uh, chapter 18, verses 7-8. And, وَمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا لَعُبٌ وَلَهْوٌ The life of this world is nothing, or what is the uh, life of this world, but a game and a distraction. And this is chapter 6, verse 32. Ustad Nursi has written a beautiful, concise commentary on these verses about the worth of the world. And then he has compiled other passages that he has written at other parts, at other times of his life as the second station of this treatise. We read the first station, we read some of the passages of the second station. Uh, right now we are supposed to be reading a passage that was written in Persian and I did not have the time to translate uh, from Persian I, as I mentioned here before I don't know Persian but I have tried uh, looking at other translations and using dictionaries and tra- translated one passage but I don't have to translate I, I don't have the time to translate this other passage too so for now I'm going to skip that and go to the next passage which which is named two frames two um, passages again but because they can be written as as uh, beautiful in with beautiful in, uh, script and framed Ustad Nursi refers to them as two frames or another way to look at this is the two passages give us two pictures from two points of view of the world Therefore, again, they can. He refers to them as levha. Levha is the word in Turkish, as framed picture or a you know framed script. Anything that's framed to be hung on the wall and kept before the eye all the time. So let's go. Bismillah. Bundan 25 sene kadar evvel 
İstanbul Boğazı'ndaki Yuşa Tepesi'nde dünyanın terkine karar verdiğim bir zamanda bir kısım mühim dostlarım beni dünyaya eski vaziyetime döndürmek için yanıma geldiler. Dedim yarına kadar beni bırakınız istihare edeyim. Sabahleyin kalbime bu iki levha hutur etti. Şiire benzer fakat şiir değiller. O mübarek hatıranın hatırı için ilişmedim. Geldiği gibi muhafaza edildi. 23. sözün ahirine ilhak edilmişti. Makam münasebetiyle buraya alındı. About 25 years ago at the Joshua Hill by the Bosphorus, at a time when I had decided to abandon the world, some of my important friends visited me in order to return me to the world back to my former state. I said, leave me until tomorrow. Let me do istikhara. These two framed passages came to my heart in the morning. They resemble poetry, but they are not poetry. I did not try to improve them out of respect for the memory of that blessed incident. I was pre- it was preserved as it came. It was included at the end of the 23rd word. It is moved here due to the relevance of this station. So the Joshua Hill that Ustad Nursi refers to is, as he says, uh, by the Bosphorus. It is on the Asian side of the Bosphorus, closer to the northern end. Uh, now it is between the, the two bridges. Um, and it is in Turkish and Arabic. And then the, the Yusha Tepesi, Joshua is Yusha, so the Prophet Joshua. Uh, there is a station of Prophet Joshua. Uh, at this place. Uh, what that means is that uh, you know, Prophet Joshua is not buried there, as far as we know, but his spirit was witnessed there and people came to believe that uh, that location is associated somehow with his spirit. <coughs> there is a, a shrine and at some point during his stay in Istanbul after uh, World War One. And this is probably at the time when he was going through a spiritual search. Uh, he had come to Istanbul um, and was welcomed as a as an accomplished scholar and a war hero. Uh, the world was really smiling at him at at this time. Uh, but he comes to a realization that all of this is temporal. It is not going to last. The world is calling him, and he doesn't want to. Uh, you know, fall in its trap traps. He doesn't want to be ensnared by the world, so he retreats uh, to a life of seclusion for a while. Uh, he he was probably reading uh, some of the works of uh, Abdul Qadir Jilani, Imam Abdul Qadir Jilani, and Imam Rabbani at this time. So, some friends, some important friends, come to visit him, and according to um, one story. Uh, this was either Said Halim Pasha or some of the some people that Said Halim Pasha had sent. Said Halim Pasha was the last Ottoman uh, Sadrazam. You can think of it as the prime minister. And according to this narration, he uh, he he was fed up, you know, with the with government affairs. Uh, obviously, this was a horrible time to be a prime minister. Istanbul was under British occupation. Um, so he decides to resign, or he was forced to resign. It doesn't concern us. The, the The history of the politics of the time doesn't concern us at this time. But apparently, before he resigned, he 
offered to uh, Said Nursi, Ustad Nursi, to leave all his property or perhaps most of his property to him and to, to turn over some of some land that he had in Istanbul, uh, land and a mansion actually to uh, Said Nursi, so that Said Nursi could set up a madrasa there in Istanbul. Uh, Ustad Nursi had long dreamt of uh, establishing a madrasa in, in one in Eastern Anatolia where he could teach the religious sciences and positive sciences together in Turkish, Arabic and Kurdish simultaneously. So Said Halim Pasha offers Ustad Nursi to uh, take this land and mansion and open his madrasa, you know, long dreamt madrasa in Istanbul. But before he resigns, uh, Ustad disappears for a month or so. People can't find him. They don't know where he is. He disappears. So eventually they find out that he is staying by this shrine at the Joshua Hill, has you know uh, moved into a life of seclusion and they go to him and they repeat uh, Said Halim Pasha's offer to him. And that's what he means when they say, you know, they call him to the world, right? So at the time when I had decided to abandon the world, some of my important fr friends visited me in order to return me to the world, back to my former state. I said, leave me until tomorrow, let me do istikhara. Istikhara is to uh, pray to God that he puts what's best in your heart. Um, you can, there, there's a specific dua that we have learned from the Prophet You can make this dua and go sleep without doing anything else. And then sometimes people see, uh, have dreams uh, that will be an indication, but you don't have to have a dream. Uh, you make the dua and then whatever comes to your heart uh, with that sincere, pure intention, uh, you act upon it. And in this sense, you put your affairs uh, in God's hands. You seek his assistance. So that's istikhara. He, I said, he says, I said, leave me until tomorrow. Let me do istikhara. Let me seek counsel with God. These two framed passages that, are, that we are going to read, inshallah, came to my heart in the morning. They resemble poetry, but they are not poetry. I did not try to improve them out of respect for the memory of that blessed incident. It was preserved as it came. It was included at the end of the 23rd word. It is moved here due to the relevance of the station. Inshallah, we will read the 23rd word too when the time comes. So when Ustad Nursi says re they resemble poetry, but they are not poetry, what this means is that uh, in poetry, the, the sound sometimes may take precedence. You want to convey meanings, you want to convey beautiful, profound meanings, but you also want to con uh, convey them in beautiful, striking sound uh, to increase the effect, but sometimes you know, and, and all, all poets, you know, try to strike a balance between meaning and, and sound, but sometimes the sound can take over. Uh, some of the meanings may be trimmed here and there in order to improve the sound or preserve the sound. So when Stadnosi says this is like poetry, what it means is that there is some rhyme to it, there is some measure to it, there is a beauty of sound in it, and, and, and there is. Uh, however, he did not try to, uh, he did not work on the sound. He did not have the sound in mind when he was writing it. He had the meaning alone. And 
in his principle is that he would not sacrifice even the tiniest bit of meaning to the sound when he writes. Uh, you can see this elsewhere in other places where you see that there sure, surely is a poetic sound, rhythm, rhyme, measure, etc. into the text, but that was not his point. He was not trying to make it into poetry. His concern was not the sound. So let's go ahead and read this. First frame. Ehli gaflet dünyasının hakikatini tasvir eden levhadır. This is the frame or passage that describes the reality of the world of the people of heedlessness. So at the beginning we said we this these there are two frames. They are depictions of the world or commentaries, analyses of the world from two points of view. The first point of view is the point of view of the people of heedlessness, heedless people, people who do not recognize the reality of what is going on around them or with them. Beni dünyaya çağırma, ona geldim, fena gördüm. Do not call me to the world. They called him to the world. They asked him to to take over the the land and the mansion and uh, set up his madrasa, start his madrasa in Istanbul. Now this is a noble purpose, right? He is going to start a madrasa. He is going to train the generations to come. Uh, Islam is being challenged. The British have occupied Istanbul. Uh, and they have occupied almost the entire rest of the world, the British, the French, the Italian, almost the entire rest of the, the Muslim-occupied lands around the world. So there is need for service uh, to the Ummah, right? But at the same time, there's a worldly aspect to it because we do not do these acts of service just because, um, just because. We do them or we are supposed to do them for God's sake and that needs to be a pure pure intention so we want purity we want sincerity of purpose we want ikhlas in our affairs if there's if ikhlas does not exist in our affairs no matter how useful we appear to be to the the world to our communities to the people etc we will not necessarily um harvest the benefits of that the spiritual rewards from that because you know we will be harvesting what we intended maybe we wanted to uh, we wanted the renown we wanted people's attention we wanted to make money so acts are or the de deeds are according to intentions so we get what we intend to uh, acquire in doing an act. So Ustad Nursi, out of his scrupulousness, his piety, his his God consciousness, his um, really strict evaluation of his heart and intentions at this time when he feels like the world is calling him. There's a lot of success that's happening in his world and renown and etc becomes concerned about ostentation, becomes concerned about seeking people's pleasure, etc. So he withdraws, goes to the Joshua Hill and you know secludes himself in this or next to this 
shrine. And then people come and call him. So yes, it is a noble purpose to, to establish a madrasa, but if he does it, he doesn't want to do it in that worldly context, engaging the prime minister of the country, these important people of the world. There's too much worldliness in it, and he doesn't want that. He perhaps doesn't know for sure what is right, what is wrong. That's why he's going to do istikhara, right? He's going to seek counsel from God, but he his heart is not is not convinced about the matter, right? He wants to reach that tranquility. He wants to reach that certainty in in in his heart. And as we know, as we know, the real, the the um, most productive, most or rather most effective, most consequential products of his efforts are going to be produced later in his life, starting 1925, 1926, when he is not, he is not a member of the elite of society. He is not, you know, going around with the prime minister and the the the best known poets and intellectuals etc of the time but rather when he was exiled to a distant distant village surrounded by some of peasants who some of whom were illiterate right that is when he produced the Risale Inur which is now a world world renowned work a world-renowned commentary on the Quran and is saving the lives, is saving the faiths of millions around the world. So, do not call me to the world. I came to it and saw it to be temporal. Fana, temporal. It has an end. And uh, inshallah, when we read uh, those passages where uh, in the in the 26th uh, flash especially, maybe come to that point too he talks about this he narrates how he was enjoying life uh, he had rented a large house at the chamlija hill he again he was having having success in all respects financially uh, his reputation was good he was doing service to the religion he was a member of uh, what they call darul hikmat al-islamiyah the top religious um, institution in the empire it was all good right but he looks at the mirror one day and sees these white pieces of hair in his beard in his hair and the and the temporality of all of this dawns on him if one does not um, hold the world with that sincerity of purpose only to serve God, only to acquire God's pleasure. No matter how much world success you have, once again, it's not going to, to translate into spiritual rewards. It's not going to bring you closer to, to God. And everything else, right? Everything else, things that do not bring you closer to God in one way or another, they're all temporal. That, that is the world. That is the world in its negative sense. Otherwise, it's a means to bring you closer to, to God. But if you forget that purpose and you, and, and you delve into the world itself, nothing there will last.
reputation will not last, money will not last, property will not last, family will not last, children will not last, friends will not last, health will not last, nothing will last. Unless it is translated into spiritual, metaphysical value through connection to God. So do not call me to the world. I came to it and saw it to be temporal. Dema gafleti jaboldu ve nuru hak nihan gördüm. When heedlessness became a veil, I saw the light of the real to be concealed. The light of the real, that is the reality of everything in existence or everything that is created. The reality of created beings are the names and attributes of God. And the names and attributes of God reflect on, reflect on the things that we see in this world and make them what they are so it is a reflection of the light of the real the real real and what we see around is real we can touch it we can see it we can smell it we can manipulate it etc but they do not have reality from themselves in and of themselves it is a reflected reality therefore if you want to contemplate if you want to or rather if you want to understand what the real reality is that's god god's person which we cannot contemplate which we cannot comprehend in in its actual quiddity but then god out of his mercy to um, or out of his wisdom has manifests himself through his conducts and names, attributes, acts, and his acts yield the author, the works, the things that we see in the created realm as uh, you know, reflections, as manifestations. And of course, we are using these words, reflection, manifestation, metaphorical uh, sense. We are not talking about photons reflecting from a mirror. It is a similar process. Right? We are using them in a metaphorical sense. Uh, the, the reality of things then is the names and attributes of God. And the value in this world is when you are able to see God's names and attributes manifest on things so that you are reminded of your Lord. Right, So that's the light. But when the world comes into the picture, when the, uh, the uh, material aspect of the world... When the aspect of the world that the, that does not face God but faces non-existence, when that comes into the picture and comes in between you and those beautiful sublime realities that you observe on the creation, that's heedlessness and it's like a veil that prevents you from being able to um, realize reality as reality is. So when heedlessness became a veil. I saw the light of the real to be concealed. Bütün eşya ve mevcudat birer fani muzur gördüm. I saw all things and existent, existent beings each to be temporal and harmful. If it is not bringing you closer to God or close to God, it is harmful. It is temporal, that's for sure. It's not going to last. Nothing lasts in this world. But it's also harmful because it's distracting you from God. 
It's pulling you away from God. Vücud desen onu giydim. Ah, Adem'de çok bela gördüm. If you mention existence, I donned it. The, the body, the word for body and existence is same in Turkish. Vücud. Um, because this is the existence that we are given in this world. And we don it. It is like an outfit. Our, if, if you think of your body and your clothes, right? You put your clothes on and off. That's how the body is to the spirit. The spirit puts the body on and it goes around. It protects it from the cold, heat, etc. It enables it to interact with the, uh, the, the material world, right? But when death comes, it takes it off and moves on. And it's given other forms of body or bodies uh, in the in the realms that it is moving on to the intermediate realm, and then inshallah, maybe all end up in paradise. In the paradise, it will be given body because that's how the spirit interacts with the with its environment. It needs a body to interact with its environment. But the real thing is the spirit. So we don existence. If you mention existence, I donned it. Ah. Uh, it was non-existence. I saw much trouble in it. Why is this body, this existence that we have, non-existence? Because it's not going to last. It is certain to move into non-existence. It comes from non-existence. It will move into non-existence. And there is nothing in and of itself that's going to give it permanence. It's troublesome. And all those troubles are, uh, it's, if you will, again, we are using this metaphorically, but it's contact points with non-existence. You get sick, that's the non-existence of your health. Your, uh, your normal, the normal functioning of your body is not sustained. That's what sickness is. You love, you, you love the cake you have, but then you eat and it's gone. And, as you eat the cake, you can't help thinking about its exp expiration and that's trouble. And the moment it's gone, the memory starts to bug you, bother you, and that's trouble. Existence, unless it's connected to God, right, is, is non-existence. It is just a line drawn around non-existence to make, to to make non-existence perceivable for you. Again, if you do not connect it to God. I saw much trouble in it. Hayat desen onu tattım. Azab ender azab gördüm. If you mention life, I tasted it. I came to this world. I'm, I've lived 40-something years. And this is... Uh, I've lived 40-something years, but this is what Ustad Nursi uh, uh, this was about Nursi's age at the time he wrote this too. If you mention life, I tasted it. I saw it torment within torment. Now, Stad Nursi had a um, very active and troublesome life, uh, especially after he hurled himself into the world in 1907, going to Istanbul, uh, shortly after he went there, there was a coup, and then uh, you know, there, there was a political transformation in the country, and then the war, imprisonment, uh, 
uh, or, or being taken as a war captive, uh, spending time as a prisoner in Russia, etc., etc. All, all sorts of troubles happening, <clears throat> torment, right? But even even if that was not the case, life that is disconnected from its creator, life without faith in and of itself is torment. Even if you, on the face of it, are living the most prosperous, most most entertaining uh comfortable life because once again as you enjoy life you cannot help being aware of it being doomed to non-existence you cannot avoid the temporality transience of the world either things do not last they leave abandon you or you will not last there will come a point when you will die and you will abandon everything if you don't believe in life after death this is torment this lacerates your spirit this world is a place of trial and tribulation and therefore we all have trials and tribulations in our lives there was war in the lives of a uh, and one or two generations of people at the turn of the 20th century and then through the middle mid-century there was a time when people lived without war in many parts of the world but even then there was there was war happening in other parts of the world think of vietnam think of war in korea uh, think of the the so-called civil wars in some parts of the world yemen think of palestine israel even when there was no war there was the threat of war and then we had a period without uh you know much war again but of course not globally there was still war in like think of iraq think of what happened in afghanistan etc but now we are also facing other kinds of uh humanity-wide challenges the environmental crisis we don't know what is what is to, what's going to be coming in the next 10 years 20 years we don't know if if this world will be livable for our children so all of this is tormenting right um but even if that was not the case even if that was even if the the life of this world was not full of trials and tribulations for the majority of the people for the entirety of human existence on the world because you know it, it happened in the past too there were wars there were famines droughts even if that was not the case, this life would still be torment within torment if we look at it from the the uh, with the veil of heedlessness, and that's the picture that Stadnus is describing here in this in this frame. So we looked at existence, life. Next, he will look at intellect. Akıl aynı ikab oldu, bekayi bir bela gördüm. The very intellect became a punishment. I saw lastingness to be a calamity. Again, when disconnected from God, the Creator and His mercy, what the intellect does is it brings uh, brings the um, torments, troubles of the past and the potential dangerous threats of the future to the mind and puts them all together all at once and contemplates them all together and that in and of itself turns into a punishment. The intellect by thinking of the threats and punishments of the future turns the future 
lastingness into a calamity. Ömür aynı heba oldu, kemal aynı heba gördüm. The span of life became vain desire itself. It became very vain desire. Right? When looked when when you live with heedlessness, it's a period that you chase your vain desires. Your span of life is a period during which you chase your vain desires only to come to the conclusion in the very end that you have not achieved anything. If you have achieved anything, you are not going to be able to hold on to anything. I saw perfection to be waste itself. You worked hard. You attended you know, all sorts of schools and training and worked hard in your workplace and you made it up. You pulled yourself up from the bootstrings and you are a self-made woman. You are a self-made man. You are the CEO of such and such company. You are the um, you are the distinguished chair of uh, a a professor at a university. You are a world-renowned artist whose songs are or painter whose pictures are being appreciated by everyone around the world. You are a you are this. You are that. You can have smaller ambitions or bigger ambitions you have you have achieved all your ambitions but you have perfected you have you have you have received the best of life you have given your best to it and you have received your best you received the best from it life has given you its best but so what one moment your heart does not beat your heart skips a few beats you are no more and all those achievements that you have piled up with sweat and effort are gone. Nothing is left. Nothing of the world is left. Again, if you are looking at this with heedlessness, if you have not converted anything, any of what you have achieved in this world into, into if you will, let's say, let's call it spiritual property, spiritual acquisitions, if that is missing from your life, all perfection that you have attained goes to waste. You may be the president of your country, just a waste. You may be the owner of such huge treasures, such huge wealth, that you may be feeding thousands of people perhaps out of your wealth. You may be doing charity. You may be doing really good things in this life if it's not connected to God so that it can be converted into spiritual property, spiritual acquisitions. It's all waste. It will come to an end. It will be wasted. The deeds became very ostentation. I saw expectation to be pain itself. So we do things, even atheists do good things. People who have no belief, don't believe in God, people who have no, um, no sense of a higher reality can also do good things. They can do charity, they can help people, they can set up, I don't know, aid organizations. But well, for what? What is it, what, what are they pursuing in doing all of this? What is the fulfillment that they receive in return for what they are doing? Renown, 
appreciation, acknowledgement, uh, worldly pay. Maybe an, um, an ingratiation of the lower soul. But what beyond that? It is all about showing. It's all about showing off. It's ostentation. It turns into ostentation in the end. It does not yield long-term results. And when we say long-term, we mean the hereafter. I saw expectation to be pain itself. Ambitions that we have in life. Will, they, will, will I be able to pass this test? Will I be able to graduate from this school? Will I be able to get that job? Will I be able to uh, receive that promotion? Will I be able to buy that company? Will I be able to open another branch of my company in that city? Will I be able to turn my company into an international corporation? Will I be able to make a billion dollars? Once I make the billion dollars, will I be able to make $10 billion? Where is the end? You became a slave of your expectations, your ambitions as you run after them. This does not mean don't have ambitions and expectations, but we are once again looking at all of this within the framework of the perspective of heedlessness. Disconnecting existence or the, the, the created world from God. That is the problem. Expectation is not the problem itself. The deeds are not the problem themselves. The life is not. The perfection is not. That those are all good things. But when disconnected from God, this is where, where you end. Visal nefsi zeval oldu. Devayı aynı da gördüm. Reunion became extinction itself. I saw the remedy to be the very affliction. Reunion with what? With your expectations, with your ambitions, with your beloveds, with your desires. So what's wrong with that? Well, once again, they are not going to last. The moment you are reunited, before you were united, you were looking forward to, forward to the reunion. The moment you are united, now you'll be looking forward to your separation. You wanted to buy a house all your life for 25 years you worked hard you saved money on the side and you accumulated your that that money and you purchased that house now you can retire and look forward to your death at which point you are going to separate you and your house will separate reunion became extinction itself i saw the remedy to be the very affliction the remedy the fulfillment of expectations and ambitions of the world right that's your that was your affliction your affliction was that you wanted to get that you got it that's your remedy now you got it but now once you got it it's your affliction because now you are looking forward to losing it these lights turned into darknesses Again, if you can see the big picture of things, but if you are seeing it with heedlessness, you see darkness at the end of every light because every light in this world is doomed to be extinguished. 
I saw these loved ones to be orphans, loved ones, the trees, animals, human beings, friends, company, your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your relatives, your your your bosom friends, your chums, your all whatever is dear to your heart. Without without acknowledging God, they're all doomed to non-existence. The, yes, they are orphans. What's the what's the what what orphan symbolizes here? A child who is not capable of taking care of his own needs and left without that that care by society and normally the best care is given by parents and he is left without parents so he is deprived of that that care but all those beloveds that you have in this world are deprived of the care of the merciful Lord who is taking care of them who is showing them mercy who is moving them toward a better better life even during their trials and tribulations who makes death into the gates of a beautiful beautiful everlasting life for them once deprived from the lord once deprived from god everything is an orphan and look your beloveds to whom your heart is attached look at them and see them as orphans bu saftlar naim evt oldu bu ahyayı mevat gördüm these sounds became the heralds of death i saw these living beings to be dead you hear the world teeming with life you hear crickets piping and birds singing it's beautiful beautiful you know all these living creatures making all these sounds but but if you are able to see the big picture if if if, if you are able to come out of that numbing of the intellect and senses but still with heedlessness without connecting things to god all you notice eventually is that those birds will die those crickets will die those and those trees are going to um dry up in the winter their leaves will fall there will be you know bone like wood left behind and eventually they will die too these sounds became the heralds of death in the in the lifeful sound of the bird the nightingale that's singing out there you are going to hear the end of the nightingale and therefore your poetry is going to present the nightingale as if it is mourning mourning because the rose did not respond to its its uh, love and unrequited love or etc don't the nightingale is not mourning come on nightingale is glorifying his lord but if you disconnect the world from god what are you going to have what are you going to have i saw these living beings to be the dead all that is certain to come in the future is is near is is not far from now it's near in time Ulum evhama kalb oldu, hikemde bin sekam, sekam gördüm. All knowledge turned into groundless illusions. 
In wisdoms I saw a thousand diseases. Knowledge of the world, but if disconnected, if disconnected from God, only gives you ignorance. The more you understand how things relate to one another, unfortunately, that has been the human experience, the less you understand how they are connected to God. And the reality is that they are connected to God. Even their connection to one another, their apparent relation to one another is through their connection to God. Therefore, you misunderstand the world. You don't see the reality of it. You are filled with groundless illusions. And the wisdom your understanding of how things relate to one another, how one thing leads to another, how there is how um, how there is purposefulness in in existence, in the creation. All the all that turn into a thousand diseases for you because once again the more you understand those purposes and connections, the less understand the reality of things. You think that Mother Nature did this for the bird and therefore it has a beak which is shaped in this way and that way and therefore it can, can peck on the ground and pick the grain. You think that somehow Mother Nature endowed the, uh, the, the um, deer with, a, with an acute, with a sharp sense of smell and hearing so that it can notice the lion that's coming you think that the lion at some point was an amoeba but over time it evolved in this way and that way and therefore now it has the claws you see you see the the, the progression of the you, you see the progression in in the creation you see the interconnectedness of the creation. You understand the ecology, but you don't understand the wisdom, the real wisdom behind this. You don't understand the knowledge. You don't understand the will behind this. You disconnect everything from the divine will. That is the only way to explain things otherwise. You know that there is no such a thing as Mother Nature. You know that the processes that you imagine to bring this this world into existence are in and of themselves devoid of any force any knowledge any purpose any ability to do what you think has happened if i told you a an old tree fell and somehow it broke in a way that that um, created the table um, but there are all these nails on the table well there was a volcano and there came out these pieces of iron shooting fast from the volcano and they somehow accidentally entered into those places on the table and yes it doesn't sound you know that doesn't sound very reasonable but it is possible because see if if we calculated you could see that there is a possibility of one over i don't know uh, 10 trillion times 10 trillion uh, you know po possibility that this is going to happen that is just illusion groundless illusion
but people believe in that. That is called science. That's called understanding the world. Unfortunately. Lezzet aynı elem oldu. Vücutta bin adem gördüm. Delight became very pain. In existence I saw a thousand instances of non-existence. Once again, Ustad Nursi is looking at the matter from its roots, at its roots. He's trying to grapple with the human predicament, the situation that the human being finds himself when he comes to this world is that it wants eternity. It wants pleasures. It is attracted to things. But its attraction is to the permanence of things. It does not want things. It does. It cannot be satisfied with things that do not last. Yet all delight, all delight that it that he or she finds in the items of the world, in the pleasures of the world, is temporal. And therefore, as soon as he achieves that which gives him delight, he starts looking forward to its end. He numbs his sense, senses. He drinks alcohol. He... Um, creates a world of entertainment in which his brain has not a second to stop and think. He becomes workaholic. Sometimes he uses drugs. He uses um, philosophies that help him rationalize what is going on without showing him the reality of it. But he, all of these are escapes. Ultimately, there are only two things that the human being can do. He either escapes from his predicament or he faces it. And once he faces it, honestly, he sees the reality behind it. That, that, that what looks as the human predicament is actually the gateway to eternal pleasure through God's pleasure. But if he doesn't face it honestly, Right, it's going to be a life of escape or pain, and what we escape from is the pain of life. What we escape from is the pain of delight in this life. In existence, I saw a thousand instances of non-existence, and that is that sentence explains the previous sentence. Delight became very pain. In existence, i.e., those things that that are in existence that give me delight, that give me pleasure, I saw a thousand instances of non-existence. Habib de sen onu buldum. Ah, firakta çok elem gördüm. If you mention the beloved, I found it. Look at all, all the romantic poetry of the world. If you mention the beloved, I found it. Ah, I saw much pain in separation. Either the lovers unite and then that's the end of the story. They live happily ever after. Who lives happily ever after? They live happily ever after until they die or until 
you know, they, their life becomes a drudgery because they are now having to take care of the hustle and bustle and the, the mundane affairs of the world. Even their love fades away as a result. When that love is not grounded on something firm. When that love is grounded on the pleasure that one, one expects to have not even has but expects to have in the other in the beloved or or they die right they die without being able to to to unite or they die together they take poison together and die romeo and juliet if you mention the beloved i found it ah oh, i saw much pain and separation that is the reality of the world and it is it is not it is not too much if you said this a hundred times a thousand times a ten thousand times a million times that is the reality of the world and our pathway to happiness eternal happiness and worldly happiness our pathway to satisfaction clarity contentment is recognizing reality as reality is that this world is not here to last that the things that we desire and pursue and run after in this world are not worth our pursuit and our desire the the neurons and electrons or whatever it is that is wasted in our brain capacity to contemplate and remember them that, that they are not worth unless unless we connect them to god unless everything is illuminated with the light of faith and that is going to be the subject of the second frame well i thought i could finish both frames in this episode but looks like i misjudged uh inshallah we will end here but before we end i don't want to leave on a pessimistic note and that note is pessimistic only when once again we look at this world with the veil of heedlessness when we do not recognize its reality uh, the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells us to remember death which embitters the, the blessings of this world the pleasures of this world um, we need to do that often we need to remember death and we need to taste that bitterness in this in this world because if you don't taste that bitterness we don't seek the sweetness of the hereafter we don't seek the sweetness of our lord's pleasure and once we seek it and we find it this world itself becomes sweet too we find that sweetness in its bitterness because its bitterness actually disappears when we see the reality of it reality is beautiful once again i, I like saying this a lot reality is beautiful that bitterness awakens us from that state of heedlessness from that state of numbness therefore we need to taste it what's on the other side of the fence what we see when we turn the light switch on in this world of 
darkness upon darkness by by taking the shahada by acknowledging that there is no god other than allah and prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave and messenger who has shown us reality as reality is when we switch that light we see a beautiful world we see reality as beautiful reality is beautiful right so i don't want to leave without at least uh, having a glimpse at what is on the other side of the fence what we see when we turn the light on so inshallah i'm going to read through uh, the second frame only in english quickly and we are going to reflect upon it in the next episode so the second frame this is the frame that points to the reality of the world of the people of guidance and divine presence when heedlessness became extinct i saw the light of the real manifest existence became the demonstration of the divine entity life is a mirror of the real see the intellect became a key to treasures annihilation is the gate of everlastingness see the flash of perfection died away yet there exists the sun of beauty see extinction became very reunion pain is the very delight see the span of life became a deed in itself. Eternity is the very span of life, see? Darkness became the envelope of radiant light. There is true life in this death, see? All things became congenial. All sounds are voices of remembrance, see? All particles of existent beings are each performers of remembrance, each a glorifier, see? I found poverty to be the treasure of sufficiency. There is complete power in incompetence. See, if you found God, all things are yours. See, if you are a slave of the owner of dominion, his dominion is yours. See, if you are self-centered and in possession of your own self, that is countless calamities. See, it is boundless torment, taste. It is endlessly heavy. See, if you are a truly God-centered slave, that is unlimited joy. See there's a reward with no count taste it see endless felicity subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma 'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhiru da'wahum alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin al fatiha